This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily. Today is Tuesday, November 7th, 2023. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor BJ Colangelo. Hi, hi, hiya. Okay, BJ, let's jump into the news today. Uh, there was word that came out from uh, Jan Damage, the director of the upcoming Marvel Blade movie, the, the reboot, that this movie is actually going to be rated R. He said that Marvel gave him the R rating for that. I think there was a lot of speculation that this movie would be rated R, um, returning to the, the R-rated roots from whence it came, you know, back with the original Blade trilogy back in the day. Um, but I think there was some speculation like, or, or some discussion about like whether or not Marvel would actually go that far. Um, I know that we have Deadpool 3 coming up, which is, I believe, the first R-rated movie to be officially part of the MCU. Um, and I know a lot of folks were looking forward to an R-rated Blade movie, but now we know that it is happening. So um, I wanted to use this as kind of a springboard to just ask you if you think that there are any other R-rated properties that Marvel should tackle. Like they have a bunch of stuff that they've announced coming up, but I don't really think a lot of it is going to be appropriate for our rating. Like there's a Thunderbolts movie, there's an Armor Wars project, a couple of Avengers sequels. I don't think they're going to do it with the X-Men, like the main X-Men relaunch or Fantastic Four, because those are very um, important properties for Marvel. But mm -hmm. is there anything else that you can think of that might make sense for an R-rated, uh, an R-rated movie coming from Marvel Studios in the in the coming years. If they ever actually make a Sinister Six movie, I feel like it has to be R-rated. Um, that's just my feelings on it, and I also think there was no way that Blade was not going to be R-rated, if only just for blood use, like because you can't. You, you can't cheat that they're vampires. Like <laughs> It's going to be there. You're going to get the R rating for blood alone. Um, so yeah, if they ever actually did a Sinister Six, I think that would have an R rating. But I agree with you. Things like Thunderbolts or X-Men, um, maybe Punisher would be an R rating. But I don't think that it, I don't think those stories or those properties like necessitate the R rating. Yeah. I wonder if you think that Punisher is like so toxic a a property, a topic, whatever, that like a Punisher movie, a new Punisher movie just might not even be able to happen in this climate. Like I know that there was obviously the the Netflix Punisher series and there have been Punisher movies in the past. There was the Tom Jane one from 2004 and a Dolph Lundgren one from I think the late 80s, early 90s. Um, but like 
the the Punisher logo has been sort of like co-opted by police and like military um organizations and whatever and the and and I think the people who like created the Punisher character or at least the artists behind it have like spoken out about how that's been uh sort of twisted and and has taken on like a new meaning in the culture so I, I just do you think that there's a chance that a that Disney, a notoriously family-friendly company, decides to like jump into the controversial waters <laughs> of potentially making a Punisher movie. Yeah, the Punisher is right up there in the same party as like American Psycho and Fright Night of just movies where the wrong people took the wrong messages and like made it their own to the point where it's just kind of tarnished the brand a bit. And I do think the only way to course correct would be like a very intense R-rated Punisher that makes no bones about what the Punisher actually stands for and kind of decries all of these people who have claimed him as their own. And I don't think Disney is ever going to let that happen. So it's not that he's, you know, dead, so to speak, but I would not be surprised if like five, 10 years from now, we get a feels good man type documentary about the way the Punisher has been like co-opted and stolen. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think it makes more sense for the Punisher to just be like a character lurking around in the TV world of what the MCU is doing. Totally. Um, So I I did want to mention, I saw a comment on an old Reddit thread recently where somebody was arguing that there should not be any R rated MCU mcu movies aside from something like deadpool which doesn't have any real major impact on the ongoing narrative because the r rating makes it inaccessible to the kids and like the the exact audience that these movies are sort of intended for and i was wondering if you had any thoughts about that um i think the problem is that we are not allowing there to be different avenues for these stories because i look at something like dc and for all of the things that dc gets wrong in my opinion something that they do get right is that they do allow people like james gunn to have like their wackadoo suicide squad movies that are definitely not for kids but at the same time you can have something that is a little bit more family friendly um i think that Marvel is starting to change course a bit and realizing that making everything one giant connected universe is possibly not the best thing for them. So there should be pathways for adults because some of the comic stories are more adult and are not kid friendly. So to, you know, have this world where we just pretend that all comic book stories have always been, you know, acceptable reads for children, that's just not true. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that that limits the places that these characters and these stories are willing to go. Yeah, that makes sense. And I was thinking of the Harry Potter movies. This is like a um a not very intense example of of this idea of like characters growing up and the movie series maturing along with the audience that it started with and that yeah you know I, I don't think there's anything really wrong with the marvel movies becoming you know sliding into our ratings you know 20 years on or whatever because a lot of you know i guess you could make the argument that it's always it's like an evergreen thing like always designed at the next generation of kids or whatever but it's also as this you know the interconnectivity has shown over the years um, it's also speaking to the same people who have been following them since the beginning. And that audience has grown up a little bit. So I think there's, there's room there for, you know, uh, a little bit of, um, I don't know if Disney would call it darkness or what, but like a, mm-hmm. an evolution of, uh, you know, in terms of tone and things like that. So I agree completely. 
Uh, so I guess speaking of that, um, there is a trailer that came out a few days ago for Echo, the series, uh, that it looks pretty, um, I, I think it's rated TVMA. It looks pretty hardcore compared to a lot of the Marvel stuff that has come out in, in the trailer. Some guy like shoots somebody in the head, like point blank range. Um, it begins with Vincent D'Onofrio, D'Onofrio's Kingpin character beating the crap out of like a, a, a child. <laughs> well, he's like a guy who, uh, who runs a, um, uh, like a uh, what sort like a, an ice cream stand on the side of the road right. or something like that. Um, <laughs> he certainly seems like a child in comparison to the hulking Vincent D'Onofrio, right. who uh, his kingpin is just a massive character. Um, but yeah, like this is definitely like a more hardcore version of a Marvel show than what we've seen in the past. So I was just curious what you thought about that trailer. Oh, I really love the trailer um, because it does feel a little bit dangerous and. You know, there's definitely positives to the more family-friendly, sanitized approach to superheroes, for sure. But that has never been what appeals to me, which is probably why I am a little bit more of a DC person than a Marvel person, um, because I grew up with, like, Batman, which is pretty gritty, and characters are weird-looking and gross. Um, And uh, so to see this and to see, like, Disney allow some of that, like, violence, because it doesn't look like superhero kind of cartoony violence that I can tell like, oh, this is CG. Some of the violence in this trailer looks like realistic depictions of violence and that puts it, it makes you feel dangerous and that to me is exciting. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I was wondering if like, so, so there, uh, along with the, uh, I think it was around the same time that this trailer debuted, there was word that Marvel Studios is going to be introducing this new brand, basically a, a banner call, called uh, Marvel Spotlight, which is basically going to be a platform to give people, I'm going to read the quote here from uh, Brad Winter Winterbaum, who is the head of streaming at Marvel. It says, Marvel Spotlight gives us a platform to bring more grounded, character-driven stories to the screen, and in the case of Echo, focusing on street-level stakes over larger MCU continuity, just like comics fans didn't need to read Avengers or Fantastic Four to enjoy a Ghost Rider Spotlight comic, our audience doesn't have to, uh, doesn't need to have seen other Marvel series to understand what's happening in Maya's story. So this is what you're talking about earlier, um, mm-hmm. and and it is, uh, you know, not necessarily a new concept because we've seen this with the Marvel Netflix shows, basically. But they're actually going to sort of make this a an official thing that they're going to slap in front. It's coming with a new logo, and Michael Giacchino is composing the music for it. Um, you know, it's very funny. I think a lot of people have pointed out like that Echo is the first project here right. because Echo was introduced in, in MCU Hawkeye. in Hawkeye. So like, it seems like you're immediately just negating the entire uh, um, uh, point of this entire thing. Uh, but yeah, what do you think about the idea of like this Marvel spotlight idea? Yeah, see, this is exactly what I want and, you know, why I brought it up at the top of the show, because you're totally right. It's like, I love the idea of seeing kind of Echo's backstory and what's going on with this character. But also, yeah, you kind of have to have seen Hawkeye to get the groundwork (laughs) and that defeats the whole purpose. Yeah, it was just a seems like a silly self-own on their part. Like you could have introduced any other uh, show that's not really super connected to this. Um, but instead, they just kind of like rushed this out and like slapped it on something without seemingly without thinking about what it actually means. Right. So, um, <laughs> so you mentioned the interconnectivity of everything earlier. I was wondering if like, you know, because everyone seems to hate the idea now of doing MCU homework and uh 
Marvel's reputation has been slipping so drastically. I was wondering if you thought that Disney and Marvel might ever get to a balance point with the the shows and movies that they release where just the Avengers movies are the interconnected thing that sort of continue the larger narrative and like everything else could just be under the uh, essentially under this new Marvel spotlight thing where there's like silos of um you know you make a show or a movie and then make a sequel to that show or movie and so people can just kind of focus on the things that they like instead of trying to track every single thing like you know characters are are constantly crossing over and you mentioned like Marvel maybe realizing that the interconnectivity is not necessarily um, the asset that they thought it was in the long term. It certainly was in the short term. Um, but what do you think about like how the MCU might evolve or like whether or not that would even be something that Disney might consider or, or if that's a smart move or a stupid idea or what do you think about that? My fear is that this is what they should have done immediately after Endgame is that I'm so afraid that like the Marvel brand is just so tarnished with superhero fatigue and all of the complaints that people have that even though this is a great idea that people are already burnt out and it's not going to be enough to win a lot of people back that's my fear because i do think this is a great idea but i think this should have been implemented like two phases ago (laughs) yeah 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 uh unfortunately i think you're right and i i wonder now if like we're too far uh, committed into like phase five and six and beyond for them to actually ever evolve into something like that. But I don't know, maybe if like, you know, the, the people are still making Westerns, even though the heyday of the Western is long in our rearview mirror. So like maybe, you know, a decade or two into the future when potentially superhero movies are not the main cultural currency in Hollywood, um, maybe something like that, a little bit more of a siloed approach uh, mm-hmm. might make some sense. So um, one thing that I wanted to mention before we take a break and, and get into the back half of the show is uh, Whitney Siebold wrote, wrote an article for us at Slash Film called, Is It Time to Let the MCU Just Die? And uh, he makes some interesting arguments here. And one thing that I wanted to highlight um, was basically, I'll just read a little section of his piece here. In the decade after 9-11, audiences were gloomy, surrounded by wars, and watching gritty military dramas that were still dizzy from the real-life violence in New York. By 2012, audiences were ready to see heroes clean up the mess. By 2023, however, another generation has passed, and the wound of 9-11 is as healed as it will ever be. At the very least, America no longer requires the fantastical cinematic bandage that the Avengers provided. In short, the Avengers have outlived their cultural usefulness. So I thought that was an interesting idea that like the entire MCU is kind of a a response in some ways to the national trauma we suffered because of 9-11 basically. And and now we're so far beyond that as a country that uh, these symbols that that meant so much to us um, subconsciously or otherwise have kind of lost a little bit of their luster because they're no longer um, standing against a thing that we have such a, a close relationship to anymore. So I don't know. What, what do you think about that? I think that it's actually going to be cyclical um, because of everything that's going on right now in Israel and Palestine. The difference between now and back with you know 9-11 is we have social media now. So when I'm on TikTok or Twitter, I am scrolling and you know I'll see what is 
documentation of a war crime immediately followed by like hey besties here's the newest lip gloss you should try and it is like giving me whiplash like Mm -hmm. emotional whiplash and that is the generation of moviegoers right now is most of like the young people that hollywood is so desperate to try to get their you know get their claws into Mm -hmm. this is the world that they are in this is what they are consuming I definitely think that there is going to be a lull period where, uh, like Whitney pointed out, we're going to get grittier stuff again. We might see a return of like hyper violent horror films the way that we did uh, post 9-11. And then we're going to want something fantastical to kind of like wipe it clean. I think we're going to end up with like a very angry, edgy uh, next couple of years. Um, And superheroes, I think, are going to lull and go away. I do think they will come back, though. I genuinely okay. do. Yeah, I mean, th- th- it makes sense, especially, like you said, that this sort of cyc- cyclical nature of everything. I think that uh, is, is um, I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed to hear you say that because there's <laughs> there's truth to it. And I think people were really hoping that like, okay, mm-hmm. the superhero era would be like the Western era and it would just come to a natural end. And like, yes, maybe there would be a few more here and there. But the idea of like, everything slowly um, not quite dying, but like ramping down only to then immediately ramp back up, I think sounds like a nightmare to, to people yeah, who like, I, and care that's about the thing is, <laughs> I, I hate to be the, the bear of bad news, but whenever I talk about stuff like this, something that I hope people understand is that this is not me like condoning or encouraging. Like I'm speaking in like a very neutral, I'm looking at patterns, I'm looking at cycles and this is how the cinema cycle tends to work. And I, I just genuinely think that's what's going to happen. Happen, but I do think that it will take a different shape. I don't think it's going to be as, you know, rah rah propaganda yeah. <laughs> um, as, as things have been because we just don't live in that world anymore where that's acceptable. I don't think people will accept that. I think that it will be a lot more thoughtful, but I do think that superhero movies have been proven to be too powerful and too important in the same way that comic books have never fully ever gone away. They've always been around, even if their popularity has waned. Superhero cinema is going to do the same thing. Okay. All right. Let's take a break and then we'll be right back. Uh, So I just wanted to mention, BJ, that The Bear Season 3 is officially coming back. Um, It's supposed to arrive in 2024, pending the end of the SAG strike, which is still ongoing. I think they're in day like 117 or 118 at this point. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of talk recently. Um, I know that the, the studios have been fairly serious about sitting down and, and actually talking with them They're, like all the heads of the, the major studios and the streamers and stuff are, are like actually at the bargaining table right now so um at least that's a good sign and there's been like a lot of back and forth in in the past few days i think ai is still a big uh, that's the sticking point yeah, it sticking seems like. point so um fingers crossed that they're able to uh resolve that quickly and get everybody back to work because um you know as we inch into november here um we're getting very very close to the period where hollywood traditionally just shuts down for the entire rest of the year um and i think a lot of people have built that into their predictions of like okay if if the strike ends on this date then maybe people can get going again in january of 2024 but if it keeps going beyond that then who knows how long it's going to be before people mm-hmm. get up and running again. So um, anyway, uh, I, I'm excited about, uh, you know, with all of that being said, I'm excited about the bear season three. Um, I love the second season. I think you and I talked about that earlier this year. And um, 
yeah, so the the show, I, I I had seen some reports floating around you know, weeks and weeks ago of like, oh yeah, the Bear season three is coming back. And I'm like, where are you people getting this information? I think like some <laughs> random Twitter account just posted that and there was no truth behind it. But now it, it's been uh, officially announced. So at least we have that to potentially look forward to. Um, something else to maybe look forward to, depending on your your uh, predilections as a, as a viewer, is <laughs> Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon, um, which is the, the new two-part sci-fi movie that he's making for Netflix. Uh, we've talked a little bit about this on the show before, um, but interestingly, there he's basically looking at this as a, a launch pad to an entire universe of stories. So um, as, <laughs> as Zack Snyder tends to do, he's not doing anything half-assed. He's, he's really going all in on this. Um, so I think the, the, the plan is that they're going to be doing a narrative podcast, an animated comic book, and an animated series all set within the Rebel Moon universe. Um, it says that, uh, they all take place before the events of the first movie. So that's sort of a, an indicator of the vastness of the mythology that they've been developing here. Um, I believe it was, uh, Kurt Johnstad, who was one of the writers said, the world is very, very detailed and fleshed out. There's hundreds and hundreds of pages of documents of methodology and mythology and lore. The timeline goes back 800 years from our movies. Uh, and then he says basically that there's a 12 foot whiteboard in their writer's room office that is covered with material all set in the, the rebel moon universe on this, uh, big timeline. And he says, quote, there's a ruler with inches underneath that whiteboard. And the two movies are literally two or three inches of that entire 12 foot span. So that's a visual just to keep in mind of like what all we could potentially have in the rebel moon universe uh if that actually happens but i was curious like you know bj you mentioned the the dc stuff earlier um zach snyder obviously we, you know, we've talked about him on the show before <laughs> and i think we i think i probably asked you a little bit about what you thought about or what you think about rebel moon and and his take on like expanding this uh making a uh, building a universe from the ground up like this um and i'm wondering what you think about like the uh gigantic seemingly gigantic scope of what he has in mind here is this like uh, i'm kind of i find myself and maybe this is leading the witness but i find myself um just kind of like sitting back and nodding and being like all right man i, I gotta kind of respect it like i have no idea whether or not i'm gonna like any of this stuff but like at least you're putting the thought into it and like kind of doing the work of creating a brand new thing instead of um you know falling into the uh, familiar pattern of developing some recognizable IP, which seems to be like, again, the currency of what Hollywood thrives and functions on right now. So um, I don't know. Are you like, oh my God, I can't believe Zack Snyder is is doing this. Someone needs to stop him. Like He <laughs> needs to be working on something else or like, where do you stand right now on this? I mean, if you can't make your own Star Wars, store-bought is fine. Um, that <laughs> That's sort of how I feel about it. I mean, I'm glad that he is putting this much thought into it. Um, I'm not, like, the biggest Snyder fan. Um, I don't think that I've ever been secretive about that. But I do respect people who are this dedicated to their craft and put in this time. What I find interesting, though, is that this is also not super... Um, outside of the realm of normality for a lot of creative people like it, you could talk to any actor and say like what is your motivation in the scene and they could have an entire backstory an entire history of this character and we never see any of that on screen 
that's kind of storytelling. (laughs) It's like you you create these worlds. The difference being is that Zack Snyder is the kind of guy who is allowed to then also continue to monetize the the story building that he made for something else. And if if you're going to do it, uh, go for it, you know, go whole hog, which it sounds like he's doing. Um, I'm honestly very fascinated to see what this is going to look like because I want to see what weirdo uh (laughs) takes he's gonna have what kind of creative swings he's got because i don't think that he lacks creativity Mm -hmm. i just think that he got kind of trapped into this world that i wish that he wasn't a part of for a very long period of time so i'm 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 cautiously optimistic yeah yeah i'm i'm guessing fans like diehard fans of his already know this but um he, he made this movie for netflix called army of the dead which is like a zombie heist movie or, or a heist movie set in a zombie world basically a zombie apocalypse and he, he said that rebel moon shares a, a universe i think with army of the dead like there might be a character or something that crosses over or uh at least a yeah some sort of um concept is shared between those two worlds i guess that uh, maybe there's a this is like the distant future of the army of the dead universe or something like that i don't really know um but uh anyway yeah he's you know doing the damn thing i guess so <laughs> more power to him uh i hope that i like these movies I, i'm gonna tell you right now i'm never gonna listen to the narrative podcast that they produce oh, about the absolutely Rebel not you couldn't world. pay me to do it it's not um, happening <laughs> but I, I may tune in to a, an animated series or something like that just to see because I'm, I'm always curious about animation especially animation that's uh intended to be viewed by adult audiences and stuff just because we're we're so inundated with um kid-friendly animation that like i mean that's a whole other podcast that we could do about yeah, that so i don't even, we didn't even need to go uh <laughs> down that road but i guess speaking of animation um our last story today involves a new peanuts movie and you wrote an article about this that i will obviously link to in the show notes but um i wanted to give you the floor to uh just tell me a little bit about this project and what you think about it Oh my goodness. I'm so excited about the new Peanuts movie. Uh, So I am a lifelong fan of all things Charles M. Schultz. So this is just music to my ears. Um, But this is the first feature film being produced by Apple TV Plus in that is a a Peanuts movie. Um, Apple kind of won the Peanuts in the streaming wars is how I think I referred to it in the article where they tend to be the home of all of the you know, Peanuts and Charlie Brown holiday specials. Um, they've produced new series. Uh, there's the Snoopy show and Snoopy in space. They've also done a couple uh, specials. The one I shouted out is uh, to mom and dad with love, which is a mother's day special centered on Pe- peppermint patty. That is just like, in my opinion, one of the best like peanuts holiday specials they've ever made. And it's one that was made after Charles M. Charles has passed away, which is wild, but this new movie, they're bringing back uh, the creative team from the Peanuts movie from eight years ago. They made the announcement eight years uh, to the date. So it does feel kind of like a spiritual successor. Um, that film was done with Blue Sky Studios, which no longer exists, unfortunately. Um, but by bringing back that same team, it like it feels like this is a sequel to the Peanuts movie, which I love, but it's going to take the Peanuts into the big city. The image that they shared, it looks a lot like Times Square, but Peanuts has always been like, you know, they, they don't define exactly what place they're in. So Mm -hmm. that, you know, every 
child can feel seen by it. So it's going to be nondescript big city, but probably New York. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I'm very excited to see uh, what they do with it. I, you know, it's been eight years. That means we have a whole generation of a new target audience to bring more people into peanuts. Snoopy's been having like a really big resurgence culturally. I've started seeing a lot more like, you know, daily Snoopy picture meme accounts popping up on social media, which is, you know, great news for me. Um, so I think this is great. I'm very excited about it. And I think the animation is going to be beautiful. Uh, they have Brainworks animation on it, uh, Brainworks Studio, and they do both 2D and 3D. They do kind of like a hybrid thing. And I think that's probably what they're going to do with this as well, which is perfect. I really liked the Peanuts movie from 2015 as well. I thought like that movie has like zero cultural footprint. I feel like nobody even saw it, you know, in the moment as it was being released. But I I watched that movie and really, really enjoyed it at the time. I thought it was like exactly what I hoped it would be from from a a live action or I'm sorry, not a live action, a a feature length uh, Peanuts movie. And I'm excited to hear, like you said, that the same or a lot of the same creative team is coming back for this. I do wonder about the idea of like Peanuts relate or um, being a relatable brand or something to the new generation. Because like we've seen with um, like Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny and even like to a smaller degree, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning earlier this year, where like the icons from, you know, our childhoods or like our, our parents' age or whatever uh, are not resonating with younger audiences in the same way that something like Five Nights at Freddy's is because that that was like something that they grew up with and that they can claim as their own, you know? Um, and Peanuts is definitely, you know, old as hell, basically, to, to put it one oh, yeah, way. Yeah, it's over 75 um, years old. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just wonder, like, what you think the, um, the viability is of Peanuts as a brand to, like, younger audiences i guess so the one thing that peanuts i've actually been talking a lot about like generational ips lately um i made a tiktok that went viral about five nights at freddy's so that has been like a conversation that sparked off of it so Mm. i've just been in these trenches for the last couple of days which is why this peanuts news is really exciting for me the the benefit that peanuts has over a lot of generational IP is that the merchandising and the iconography has never waned in popularity. If you go to Home Goods right now, they have entire peanuts themed lines of cookware and whatever else you could possibly want. So even if a kid is not actively watching old peanut specials, they know who Snoopy is. Mm-hmm. Um, they can recognize Snoopy. That is an image that is still around um, and is very common. Um, but the other thing is that because of the holiday specials, peanuts are traditional watches. Um, they tend to be like, I, you know, Halloween just happened. I watched The Great Pumpkin. I know a lot of people who watch The Great Pumpkin. They get to introduce their kids to The Great Pumpkin. And then it becomes something that you watch every single year. And especially around Christmas, which we're gearing up towards the holiday season, Charlie Brown Christmas special is watched like by most people in the English speaking world. Um, (laughs) So because of that, there is that benefit that even if it is a character that they only recognize from, you know, going to Hallmark and seeing the Snoopy section or going to a store and seeing the Snoopy section, they can at least recognize Snoopy and know maybe this is a once a year thing that I watch. So that is going to definitely help this um because one of the things i talked about in the article is that a lot of the new snoopy stuff it's all on apple tv plus so unless these kids have parents who have the app for some other reason ted lasso severance what have you 
new kids are probably not watching um as like as many new kids are not watching snoopy as they probably could if it was on netflix or disney plus or something that has a a bit more popularity Mm -hmm. um but that limitation goes away when it's a movie that's in theaters when it's a movie that's having commercials showing up on cable on youtube what have you um so that in a weird way i think this is going to possibly be a great way for Apple TV plus to draw new viewers because kids are going to catch the bug of peanuts and want more. And where can they watch it? Apple TV plus. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned those shows and like I subscribed to Apple TV plus and I had no idea that the Snoopy show or, you know, uh, Snoopy in space or whatever you said, like, I didn't even know that those were there. Yeah. So, that and app's I, I like is peanuts, garbage. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I need to actually check that stuff out and, um, and yeah, maybe this movie will help drive, uh, people to do the same thing. So uh, I'm excited about this. I'm sure we'll talk more about this movie as like, you know, it goes through the, the, uh, process of being made and we see trailers and, and all that jazz, but, um, But yeah, I think that'll do it for today's show. You can find more about everything that we talked about on the show at SlashFilm.com. I will link to a bunch of things in the show notes for you to check out there as well. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter, send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at bpearson at SlashFilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.